Hello, ladies and gents, and welcome back to the intro. This is your host, Matt Delavalle, a.k.a. MDV, and I'm back on the mic this week with my good friend, regenerative farmer and functional nutrition practitioner, Ariel Bloom, a.k.a. Bloom. Now, Bloom has a wealth of knowledge when it comes to all things coaching, nutrition, farming, and holistic health. But not too shockingly, she wasn't born with all this knowledge. She worked her ass off for it. And when she didn't know, couldn't figure something out, or if she needed help, guess what she did? She asked experts, did her research, and got the job done. This is a fantastic episode for anybody out there who's considering diving into something new, whether it's a recreational hobby, or whether it's a new career, or just something that they've wanted to try for a long time. Bloom shows you the way. We also get into talking about regenerative farming as a whole, holistic and foundational nutrition for functional health. Now, fantastic episode. A couple of things I want to let you guys know about before we get into it. Number one, Last Port Coffee Company. It's a coffee company that I started last year. We have four amazing roasts. And if you visit www.lastportcoffee.com, you will find all of our coffee products as well as an amazing outfit of Notorious Bastards gear. You will save if you use the code MDV on everything from Last Port to Notorious Bastard stuff. So check out two small businesses that you should support. Number two, NC Flex. My workouts, my programming, all on the NC Fit app. If you go to the iTunes App Store, you can download the NC Fit app. You get access to five amazing training days per week. Every single day in NC Flex has a functional strength portion, a bodybuilding portion, and then a mixed conditioning portion. And I've been talking a lot about those mixed conditioning efforts because it doesn't matter how much weight you can lift. If you can't breathe to get the job done, NC Flex delivers it all. It's a really fun program. All you need is a few weights, dumbbells or barbells, some bands and access to a pull-up rig and you can get these workouts done. Now, without further delay, let's get into episode 70 with Ariel Bloom, the one about functional nutrition. Let's go. All right, ladies and gents, and welcome back to the intro. I am sitting down with my very good friend, Ariel Bloom today. And Ariel, former member of the NC Fit team, still does a ton of work with NC Fit in terms of her nutrition practice and guiding our collective gyms and guiding some of our in-gym members on their nutrition, but an amazing professional in her own right. She has a functional nutrition practice, which we're going to get into talking about that she's developed over the years. And last time Ariel was on the podcast, we were talking a lot about this idea of going her own direction, starting up her own business. And a lot has changed since that first podcast. And we'll talk about some of the things that have changed and where she's at right now in her life. But Ariel, welcome back to the intro. Thanks. It's so great to be back. That was so nice. Yeah, it was, a, it was a long time ago, which we first spoke. And for anybody who hasn't listened to that episode, you can go back into the archives of the intro and find it. Um, but Ariel and I were discussing about how her coaching career took her from the East Coast over to the West Coast, a lot of different opportunities. And then how at some point in her coaching career, she went her own direction due to a lot of different things that were happening. There were shifts in the NC Fit organization. There were shifts happening globally with a pandemic. Ariel and Gabe, her husband, decided to buy an RV and travel cross country and did a whole lot of stuff there. And now I can say, Ariel, I visited you and Gabe down in Seguin, Texas at your beautiful ranch. And you guys are living an amazing life. Tell us, give, give us a little bit of an update of where you're at right now in your personal professional life. 
Wow. Yeah. So I didn't realize how much has changed until you said all of those things, because that's absolutely true. All of these things have happened since then. Um, So yeah, during the pandemic, we realized we lived in a mobile home. We actually didn't intend to do this. We really, when we moved down to San Diego, we were just looking for some place that we could live in and also take traveling because we always wanted to travel. And so we did that when everything shut down, we were like, why are we staying in one place? Why can't we just go and explore? And it was the perfect time because no one else was doing it. So um, we kind of had a lot of trails and things to ourselves, which was beautiful. Um, Since then, we landed in Texas. We're just about an hour south of Austin. We, I knew I always wanted land. I knew I didn't want to live in a city. I didn't want to live in a suburb. I always wanted a lot of space and didn't know what that looked like until we started diving down the rabbit hole of regenerative farming and what that means and what that looks like. And I just thought it was so cool, the idea of bringing life back to the land that you live on. And that's really what regenerative farming is. So you work really closely with the animals that live on that land. You're basically allowing them to do what nature intended them to do. And that is to live on the land, eat, reproduce and essentially give back to the land that they live on. Mm -hmm. And so that was just really appealing to me. And of course, didn't ever think that it would uh, lead to owning such property, but the way that it works apparently is if you put it into the universe, somehow things happen. And so that's what we did. We put it into the universe and here we are. Gabe will say that that's absolutely not the story. Yeah. I don't know if Gabe subscribes to as much of the woo-woo side of it, but absolutely not. I will say that you guys certainly lived very freely and fully through that period, which is amazing. And, you know, when you guys were driving back across country, we are both from a similar part of the East Coast. We both both grew up on Long Island. Mm-hmm. You guys did not have the intention of stopping and staying in Texas. You had the intention of continuing on back through Southern California, potentially back up through the Pacific Northwest, and then figuring out from there places that you might want to settle down but the trip stopped in Texas yeah I don't know what happened we had the whole other trip and I was fully I was fully planning and I loved living in the airstream we were planning a whole other year of travel um and we ended up in Austin in January right in the middle of the freeze we were in the RV this was the first property and the only property we've ever looked at um but so here's the woo-woo coming back I stepped, once we drove onto this property, even driving to the property, I wasn't sold. But once we drove onto the property and I got out and I walked around, I just knew that this was home. Just vibe wise, it just Mm. felt like that. So it was, and here's the thing. I don't know if we would have looked at other places if I would have felt the same way. I don't know if it was just chance that this was the place that we happened to go to, but it just felt right. And Mm. so, um, once we decided that this was going to be the place we were going to stay, which was not an easy conversation, um, things just started falling into place for it to work out. Well, since you guys have moved there, also both sets of parents have moved to yeah. Seguin, Texas, as, long, as well as your siblings, correct? Yeah, uh, almost everybody. I have two um, older brothers, and they are the only ones who have stayed where they are. Mm. But 
my parents, Gabe's parents, and then my younger brother, Gabe's younger sister are both here. Tell me a little bit about the shift in lifestyle because you went from you went from living a pretty traditional kind of CrossFit functional training coach lifestyle where you were in the gym a whole lot. You were coaching a lot of classes in person, dealing with athletes. You were working at one time on the NC Fit programming team. You were doing that stuff, writing amazing briefs for our team as part of the NC Fit Collective. And, you know, other things have changed since the foray into regenerative farming, but not, it wasn't like a long transition. You kind of went from coaching to doing some remote coaching and building a nutrition business to now regenerative farming and being almost exclusively self-reliant on functional nutrition as your main way of, you know, earning income along with some other things that you guys do on the farm. We'll talk about that, but give me a little insight about like, what was that switch? Like, did you feel it like happen all at once? Did it feel more gradual for you? How did, how did that feel? That's a really good question. And I don't think I've like fully taken time to like sit with that, but I will say that I've always been a very adaptive person. And I think like part of that is probably, you know, like trauma-based, like all of us where like we learn things and we develop our personality just based off of experiences that we've had in life. But I really do believe that um, I've always been very adaptive. And I think that's been, so when I was, when I decided I wanted to move to California, I had just gone through um, this course called the the Landmark um, course. I can't remember. What the yeah, I've heard of Landmark. The Landmark Forum or something. Um, and it's basically a personal development intensive. And it's like this weekend long thing. And I did it because I was working for Lululemon at the time and they encourage everybody to go through it. And it's really just to understand yourself and understand the stories that you tell yourself and the limiting beliefs you have so that you can kind of break through those. And so I had just gone through this landmark forum and I decided at that forum that like the value that I was going to live by was that I was going to be unfuckwithable and that like, no matter what happened, I was going to be able to take it and I was going to be able to move through it because that was the belief at that point in my life was that I couldn't let other things stand in my way because I would never do anything with my life. And it was terrifying to me to not do anything. So I think that having that experience and carrying that word with me, that's been seven, eight years now that that has, you know, been the word that I've held on to. Um, I think it just made this transition not easy, but it made it non-negotiable. And so I think that piece of it made it a lot easier for me to um, step into a different role. Non-negotiable insofar that when you made up your mind that this was going to happen, that you were going to make it happen. Yeah. The, the word being unfuckwithable, right? Mm-hmm. Now, for anybody who's a real CrossFit OG out there, you might remember that that was a word that was very popular with Afro Brutality, the brand that mm-hmm. was founded by Sin Martinez at CrossFit Harlem um, way, way back in the day. They had unfuckwithable shirts. And yeah. um, first of all, very cool brand, very cool guy, um, but very interesting term. 
I like that a whole lot. I, it was not the word that I thought you were going to say that you came out <laughs> of the landmark forum with. <laughs> no. But it, it makes sense. It does. I, I got to yeah. ask you, though, there's probably a lot of coaches out there or gym owners who listen to, I hope there's a lot of people listen to this podcast, but there's probably coaches who listen and go, yeah, that's great for her, but I can't do that because of X or I could never learn how to because of Y. Mm-hmm. How did you learn how to become a regenerative farmer? Because nobody in your fucking family is a regenerative farmer. No. Nobody, Gabe knows, is a regenerative farmer. And you guys had no experience with it prior, except for no. cultivating some mushrooms. I remember watching you guys. <laughs> that in your, yeah, from a box. In the, from a yeah, box in the yeah. RV. Yeah, we, we I did remember that. that. I was like, oh, that was a nice step in the right direction. <laughs> I know. We went from a box of mushrooms to now a 22-acre farm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I think that it's important to note though, that it doesn't just happen with farming. Like I didn't know how to coach before I learned how to coach. I didn't know how to ski before I learned how to ski. I didn't know how to run an online business before I started running an online business. I think that it is really easy to get really caught up in what the actual thing is instead of the concept. And So no, I had zero experience farming. I don't think I've ever set foot on a farm before we started traveling in the RV and staying at farms like on our trip. So, which was only because you guys got tired of staying at wineries. No, no, no. It wasn't, we got tired of staying at wineries. It was no longer an option for us to stay at wineries because we couldn't control the amount of alcohol we were drinking at wineries. So it was more of like a, yeah, it was more of like, we have to save our trip because (laughs) both of us were just hung over every weekend. We couldn't do that anymore. So we started staying at farms, much more uh, family friendly. So, so yeah, I think it was a little bit more of like understanding the concept still applies. Um, and also t- being able to like ask for help. Gabe and I talk about this all the time because I, I don't know why I can't, I have this one. I haven't really figured out yet, but I have no problem asking people for help with things. I have no problem asking questions when I have a question about something and you have to be willing to ask for help and ask the questions, even if it might seem like a stupid question, because that's the only way you're going to get answers. Mm. And so Gabe is much more of the, like, he will Google everything. I will ask like verbally the question to anyone. Um, So it was a good mix. It was a really good blend because we figured out a lot just by asking when we needed to ask. And when I say asking, we literally went to the farmer's market and asked random farmers that were selling at the farmer's market questions about things that we wanted to know. And we did that everywhere. We did that in Austin. We did it in... um, New York, we did it in where else did we? Uh, Tennessee, Kansas, like anywhere that we stopped, we asked questions because why not? Yeah. Kind of reminds me of that. It's a cliche saying, but like it's so true is everything is impossible until you do it. It's, yeah. you know, right now with my jujitsu practice, I'm like two years into doing jujitsu. And two years ago, it felt like an impossible journey. And I'm only just scratching the surface over what 
the knowledge and depth of knowledge that goes into jujitsu. But like mm -hmm. two years ago, could never imagine moving the way that I move now or understanding what I understand now. And it can be intimidating before you start, but you always start at zero and you always have to work your way up. There's the whole myth of like uh, it happening overnight, overnight success, or this idea that like, when you see somebody who's successful or you see Gabe and Ariel out there running the farm, it happened quickly, but it didn't happen without a lot of work and a lot of questions and a lot of things that might have gone wrong. You had to go, oh shit, we need to learn from that. And that's all the stuff that you don't see below the surface, like that, another cliche, that iceberg analogy. So, well, that's what immediately what I thought of. Yeah. is like, you see the tip of the iceberg, but there is like, what is it? 85% of the iceberg is actually under the water. And that's all of the like time and effort and energy and learning that goes into whatever is on top of the water. Do you miss coaching athletes in the gym? Yeah. Um, we talk about it all the time because there's a couple of gyms close by that have asked if we could coach. And had I, if I had more hours, in the day that we're not devoted to something currently, I would absolutely coach more, I think. Mm. Tell, yeah. me what, tell me what a typical day looks like on, on the farm for you right now, including you know your work and everything like that. So like wake up all the way till, till bed. Yeah, yeah. So um, right now I'm waking up at 5.30. I do about 15 minutes of like very light movement, um, like literally just some dead bugs, some cat cows, just stuff to like move around because I get really stiff in bed. So wake up, do a little bit of movement. Um, I work from, um, that ends up being around like six to 7.30. I do some work on the computer. Um, and that can be, I write an email newsletter every week. So it could be working on newsletter. It could be um, resources for clients. It can be, um, I also work for uh, Wild Health, which is a telehealth company. So it could be just checking in on my patients, whatever it may be. Um, and that's about an hour and a half of work. I also will have breakfast and drink some coffee in that time, um, along with water. And then we go out around 7.30 to do farm chores. So uh, we milk one of our dairy cows, we feed all of our animals. Um, and this is about 40-ish minutes of a process. And then we try and keep it as condensed as possible it's very easy for it to trickle into being longer just because you see something that needs to be fixed or that hose is not pointing the right direction like there's so many things that you could easily just like get distracted doing but we try and keep it around the basics in the mornings um, and then we go to work out and then we come back and I kind of dive right from there into seeing clients or patients depending on the day and that is a full day's worth. I have a, I, I do block an hour for lunch. Um, I end up working some of that time, but I do give myself an hour so that I can kind of recharge. Um, and then I'm working until about five. Um, I make dinner quick at five and then we go out for farm chores around six thirty seven. That is a full day. And oh yeah. Both, both you and Gabe have full time gigs right now um, mm -hmm. you with wild health and then also you have your personal clients which we'll talk about and then gabe has his director of marketing and sales at, at nc fit while yeah. also running a, a farm yeah 
Yeah. Weekends, sense. weekends are market days. So, um, Saturdays we go to the farmer's market and, uh, Sunday is the day to do everything else that we haven't gotten done during the week. When, when you guys first came on the farm, did you anticipate that this was going to be like the expression of what it would be, or did you have a different vision for it? Like, did you all, did you know that, Hey, we're going to get a couple of cows. We're going to get pigs. We're going to have ducks. We're going to have, I don't know how many dogs you guys have, but you have every dog, every dog <laughs> in the neighborhood. Yeah. Did you, did you um, want all the, and 30 chickens? Yeah, we have a ton of chickens. Um, I think we knew we wanted to have a healthy mix of all the animals because that's in a regenerative model. That is how it works is you get the input from all of the different animals. Um, we definitely bit off more than we could chew. I will say like we hit the ground running and we brought everyone onto the farm at once. I think having the insight that we have now, we would have started with probably one type of animal gotten really familiar with it and then built from there. That being said, we both learn best in this, you know, environment of your feet to the fire, figuring it out. Yeah. So I say that, but also I know how I learn and I know how Gabe learns. And this is really the best way for us to learn anything. So aside from the farm life, which is absolutely intriguing there's so many so many good stories and you guys just had jason kalipa down at the farm oh yeah milking a cow for the first time which i'm sure will show up on social media at some point because i think it I, has i can only just imagine oh, how hilarious it, it probably was but yeah. i wanted to ask you about functional nutrition mm -hmm. and you are a functional nutritionist and i wanted you to tell me what that means or what a definition is for functional nutrition so when you think about, um, it's very, very similar to the definition of functional medicine and it, the root of functional medicine is really just getting to the root cause of what the problem is. Instead of treating individual symptoms, you're treating the root cause of what's causing all of the symptoms to begin with. Um, so it's very similar in nutrition. The difference is, um, I'm not a medical doctor, so I do not, um, I don't diagnose. Um, I only, my main purpose is to help you support the foundations of your body. So things like digestion, blood sugar regulation, um, sleep, stress management, um, different lifestyle factors like your exercise and um, alcohol consumption, like all of these things that kind of play a, a role in what makes you, you as a person. Mm. Um, those are the things that I work to help you support in your life. If you had to identify one major element that is kind of at odds with functional nutrition, one major modern element or one thing that you see that is like a pervasive ill in people's mm -hmm. diets, what would that thing be? Do you have anything that constantly comes up for you? Oh yeah. Um, blood sugar dysregulation is a big one. Um, what does that sleep mean is another one. So, so you're, when you look at your blood sugar, it should have like a normal little wax and waning curve. It looks like a wave in the ocean, like just a little ripple. The reason that it looks like that is because your blood sugar will naturally rise when you eat because you're taking in food, which has, you know, glucose, which is sugar. 
Um, and then it will drop as your body digests and utilizes it or absorbs it or stores it wherever it's going. And that process continues with every meal that you have. The issue is that we are super stressed, super overworked or under recovered, and we're not fueling our bodies appropriately. And so that curve turns into really steep spikes and valleys. And when that happens, it, it increases inflammation in the body because what happens is your blood sugar spikes and then it drops because your body uses like burns up all of that glucose really fast. And then when that blood sugar drops, it's very jarring to your system. And that's a really big red flag. So your, our bodies are constantly just trying to be at homeostasis. So in order to bring that back up to normal, our bodies um, release cortisol and adrenaline, and those are our stress hormones. And so if you're continuously spiking and dropping in your blood sugar, you're continuously releasing cortisol and adrenaline. And what happens is that leads to chronic inflammation because you're chronically stressed. Mm. And that I see most often in most people. And it's just because of the way that like our lifestyles are set up currently. I was going to ask, is it more lifestyle related than kind of intake related, or is it a combination of both? It's definitely a combination because part of our lifestyle dictates what we eat. Um, and what I mean by that is the information that you take in is what dictates, you know, what you're putting in your mouth a lot of the time. Um, I use the example and Lindsay and I have talked about this on the podcast that we used to host together, but being in the gym setting can be really challenging because it's a place where you can be inspired because you're around so many people that take fitness as like such an important part of their lives. It's also a place where everyone is fit for the most part, right? Like everybody that goes to the gym maybe not everybody, but you see, you see your friends that go to the gym, you see the coaches, you're surrounded by people that really care about their health. And so it can be really easy to get sucked into, well, I have to look a certain way. So that means that I have to eat a certain way. And so I've found, and just because this is what I've seen, doesn't mean that that is the case for everybody. Yeah. Um, it also doesn't mean that it's true. Like it's the story that a lot of people may have, um, myself included for a little bit. So that's been something that I've noticed plays a really big role is this idea. Like I have to look a certain way, so I have to eat a certain way. And that's where, you know, like fitfluencers come into the piece of the puzzle that are telling people to like do juice cleanses and don't eat any carbs or only eat carbs. And it's just like a confusing rabbit hole of nothing. Yeah. I wanted to ask you, I have this written down. What does a, a balanced plate for dummies mm -hmm. look like? And I'll, we'll get to that in a, in yeah. a moment. Cause I definitely want to get your take on uh, what you think an optimal both meal kind of strategy is for people just like one oh one, and what that composition on the plate looks like. But Ariel, if, if you have the answer for it, I would love to know what causes. So I, I can understand you have a huge spike in your blood sugar when, you know, you eat, mm -hmm. but potentially you're also eating a lot of really 
sugary or processed foods or things that have, you know, a really high glycemic index, right? And boom, mm -hmm. boom through the roof. What causes that precipitous drop? Is it, is it the amount of insulin that goes into the system to take it out? Or is it like you were saying, is it a combination of the body being in high stress or other things, or how does that happen? Yeah. So when you have, so you can think of, this is, a, this is the best way that I can explain this. So you can think of, um, carbohydrates like kindling, like it's the really small sticks on a fire and fat would be like the logs on the fire. If you just have kindling, if you just have the, um, we watch a lot of survivor. If you just have the, the, um, coconut husk, it burns up really fast. And so if you have a meal that's imbalanced or really carb heavy or very, uh, sugar heavy, it's going to burn up really fast. So it spikes your blood sugar because there's excess of it in your body now and it gets burned up really fast. So then your blood sugar will drop from there. And so that's what causes that big drop. If you have a balanced meal, then that burn of, the, of that carb or whatever the sugar is, is gonna slow down. So it won't be as big of a drop. Mm because of the way that sugar is processed in the body, it's taken really quickly. Um, and if you're in a high stress environment, you're going to take more sugar just because your body is getting ready to use it because we're in that fight or flight mode. Um, most of the time we don't use it because we're stressed about a deadline or, um, because we got into a fight with somebody, not because we have to run away from something. So we don't really like our muscles don't need that right now. Um, so it gets taken really quickly, but then it gets stored because we don't use it. So mm -hmm. that's what happens. That's why that, um, blood sugar curve goes up so high. That's why that big spike happens. And then that big drop is just the, it burns up really quickly. Gotcha. And in leveling this out in, in achieving more of a homeostatic type of curve where it waxes mm -hmm. and wanes more regularly. What is the best way in your opinion to do that? Um, so I always, I always lean on creating a balanced meal. Um, there are a few other things that go into it as well as having balanced meals, but that is usually the thing that's going to help the most. And what that means is creating meals that have a combination of protein, fat, and carbohydrates, but the right type of each of those things so you broke up for a second there but proteins you were saying, and fat oh sorry you broke up for a second um, you were saying no. protein carbon carbohydrate and fat but the right types of each one of those correct yes okay yeah um so proteins and fats i'm going to get to in a second but carbohydrates are the one that i really like to focus on because they can be broken down into fruits and vegetables and refined carbs or processed carbs or sugars, like everything else besides proteins and fats goes into the carbohydrate category. And so it can get really funky because yes, you can create a meal with protein, fats, and carbs, but if your protein and your fat are paired with a processed carb, it still causes that blood sugar spike. What we really want is to also prioritize fiber. And so the checklist I like to use, and this may sound familiar to anybody that has 
done the hands-on nutrition challenge because this is the reason that the hands-on nutrition challenge has the checklist that it has is a protein, a veggie or a fruit, a fat and a carb source. So proteins, any protein that you would like, ideally, I like to lean on animal proteins because they're going to be more bioavailable and they're more complete proteins. That doesn't mean that you can't get enough protein if you don't eat animal sources. It just is definitely harder. Um, healthy fat sources are thing are a variety of poly, mono, and saturated fats. And then a veggie or fruit, that is a really big focus. Ideally, we lean a lot heavily, a lot more heavily on um, vegetables just because they're going to have um, lower sugar content, but they're also going to have the nutrients that your body needs to ensure that you're getting all of the things that you need in order to function properly. Micronutrients. Micronutrients, exactly. And then um, your carb source after that, this is really meant to be just additional supplementation to get the amount of calories that your body needs. So some people don't really need extra carbohydrates. Some people feel really good if they just have protein, fat, and veggies or fruits. Um, some people do feel better with a little bit of extra carbs. It really depends on the person. So that's why that is the checklist. Gotcha. And in terms of if somebody comes into this nutrition equation, not knowing much, we just kind of mm -hmm. gave them, or you kind of gave them an outline of the composition of their, their foods overall, mm -hmm. macronutrients, proteins, carbohydrates, and fats micronutrients or vitamins and minerals and other things that you would get from those foods, but are rich in whole unprocessed foods in particular, uh, organic or kind of wild sources of protein, mm -hmm. organic or grown, locally grown kind of fruits and vegetables, those types of things. And, you know, the very colorful ones, of course, mm -hmm. and then you had the other things in there, the starches and the grains as well. But when you're talking to somebody who doesn't know how to create a, a plate, mm -hmm. First of all, two questions. How many mm -hmm. plates of food per day should somebody consider? And then generally, if you were talking to somebody, what should their plate look like? Mm. So quantity of food. If this is also very dependent on the person because it depends on your activity levels. I do like to recommend for most people that they stick to three to four balanced meals a day instead of like a bunch of mini meals, especially if you have digestive issues. Like if you're bloated, constipated, you have diarrhea, like any of those types of issues, heartburn, um, eating larger, but balanced meals three times a day gives your body time in the middle to digest that food fully, instead of just adding extra stress every hour to two hours. So if you're a grazer, I'm sorry, shout out snack foods, but like, it really is going to be a little bit better for your digestion blood sugar regulation for you to have balanced meals and give your space, give yourself space in between them to digest. Um, in terms of breakdown on your plate, I actually really love your, your plate breakdown that you did. Ah, uh, yeah. I posted it on my social media. Mm -hmm. I think that is like the best way visually to look at it. So it was about half your plate of veggies, um, a quarter of protein and a quarter of fat, right? It was, um, 
somewhat like that. It was half yeah. the plate of fruits and vegetables, half the plate of uh, protein, or a little bit more than half the plate of protein. And then it was uh, additional carbohydrate in there if you wanted, and then adding in additional fat. Yeah. Yeah. So that's basically like what I would give to most people. There's exceptions, obviously, to everything, just because some people have different issues, you know, like some people can't tolerate that many vegetables because of digestive problems. So mm. there's going to be some little bit, like I can hear somebody saying like, wait, I can't eat that many vegetables. That's like totally valid. You know, there's some people that really need to take a step back, focus on some gut healing first before they start implementing more fibrous foods into their diet. Um, but for the majority of people, that plate method is going to be a fantastic way to balance their meals. Yeah. One, I, I, I see eye to eye with you pretty much on a lot of things nutritionally. And, you know, my, my diet is pretty much in line with how you were just mm -hmm. speaking. I eat a lot of whole and unprocessed foods. I tend to prioritize protein and fat a little bit more than um, kind of, you know, starchy or complex carbohydrates, but I've been adding more of them in recently and feeling really great. I, I don't say that they're the devil. I don't demonize them. I just have a tendency to overeat them and mm -hmm. end up feeling bloated or lethargic. And that's in the past, but balancing them out, especially with a little bit more diversity in terms of the fruits and the vegetables that I'm eating has been, has been nice. One of the things that bothers me about nutrition is that I think a lot of people out there and a lot of influencers, I think, tend to make this more complex for people than it might need to be. And it's incredibly complex. It can be as complex as you want it to be. You can go and yeah. you can study this for the rest of your fucking life. And you can agonize over the little details of all these micro choices that you would make and all these little things that will go into your diet. Mm -hmm. But I remember at one point, E.C. Sankowski, I believe it was E.C., we were chatting at CrossFit New England, and she was saying that if you get the big things right in your nutrition, a lot of the little things are going to come along for the ride. So if you're eating, you know, the types of proteins that are complete amino acid uh, profiles, if mm -hmm. you're eating the types of fruits and vegetables that are, you know, diverse and colorful and, you know, have, uh, you know, variety to them. If, you, if that's the mainstay of your diet, then a lot of those smaller things come along for the ride. I think, you know, we tend to kind of get tripped up in this majoring in the minors in nutrition mm -hmm. and tend to want to overcomplicate it. Yeah. It leads to confusion. And, you know, yeah. there's this big movement out now that like, on both sides of the equation, people are shitting on fruit and people are shitting on vegetables right now. Yeah. And it's, it seems bonkers to me that like, that's the torch that people want to carry in terms of nutrition where it's like, you're telling people not to eat fruit and vegetables where it's like, don't eat processed refined shit. How about that? How about that be the thing that we all get behind and then everybody else can kind of fall in line. Yeah, there's so much nuance to nutrition and there's so many things, like even as I was breaking down like the balanced meal and the plate, there are so many things that could be so different depending on the person and depending on like their individual experience of life. Like there are so many factors at play, but it's absolutely true. Like if you can just get the foundations right and you can just like 
get that solid first. Then you can talk about intermittent fasting, or you can talk about like having a greens powder. Like there's so many extra things that I think we want to like add in just for the sake of having more things to do, because it's a lot of times I think, and this is not just with nutrition. I've seen this with coaching. I've seen this with, um, athletes on their own. Like we just want to do more, right? Like we feel like if we do more, it's better, but like, I know you believe this, that more is not better. More of the right things might be better, but just doing it better is actually the best thing that you can do. Yeah. Better is better. Better is better. That's, that's for sure. True. In my opinion, you know, one of the things Ariel that I think, you know, people get tripped up on, and I don't know if you agree with this or not, but I often think that people overlook these foundational elements that in their core, they know are right. You know, you should eat lean animal proteins. You know, you should mix in fish every now and again, you know, you should eat fruits and vegetables. You know, you should, you know, if you want to have carbohydrates, you can have some, you know, starches or pastas or rices or grains or whatever. Like, you know, you shouldn't be eating fucking Velveeta mac and cheese nonstop and stuffing Doritos down your gullet. Like that's not good for you. Exactly. I, I, I get it that like, Hey, I want to drink this green powder over here. I want to do this like 30 day juice cleanse because I think a lot of people just want to get the result that they so desperately want to have in a shorter amount of time. Yeah. I think part of it is feeling like you're not progressing enough and that, so a lot of, and I, joke about this, but it is a very serious thing. Like a lot of my clients, the work that I do with them is a lot of therapy. Like it's a lot of rewriting the story and the relationship you have with food, because a lot of people think they know, right? Like they know they should be eating fruits and vegetables. They know they should be getting variety of proteins, but they don't think that that's the thing that's going to help them lose 10 pounds or um, get rid of bloating or feel better in their skin. Meanwhile, all of these extra inputs are just adding additional stress and causing more harm than just focusing on those foundations. And it's not just nutrition, right? Like we talk about this when it comes to coaching too. You can't teach, you can't do the snatch. You can't learn how to snatch until you learn how to press a bar over your head, how to stabilize it overhead, how to squat without anything. Like there are so many foundational movements and we kind of, I mean, I don't even think a lot of people get it with fitness, but like we kind of get it a little bit more with fitness. It makes a little bit more sense. But I think that a lot of people have this like expectation that because you are so many years old, like you've already mastered the foundations of eating. Mm. When I work with a lot of my clients on just like the process of eating, like, how are you, where are you when you eat? What are you, what else are you doing when you eat? Are you chewing your food fully? Are you like distracted on your phone? Did you even notice that you ate all of your food already? Like, how long does it take you to eat? A lot of people can't even answer the question. How long does it take you to eat a meal? What would you say is the proper amount of time to eat just a standard sized meal? Um, it does. This is like the worst and best answer. It depends, but yeah, I would say like 30 minutes is 
a standard amount of time to sit and eat a meal. I would wager that not a lot of people are spending 30 minutes. I mean, there's times when I'm not spending 30 seconds with my food and that's incredibly not mindful. Yeah. And I will be the first to admit that last week I ate a meal in five minutes. Mm. I ate like probably 800 calories worth of a lunch in five minutes. So I'm not saying it to be like, I'm on this high horse, but it's something that we do have to recognize as like, that's a really big piece of a lot of our problems. If we're not properly chewing our food, we set an entire system up for failure. Like Based on your body needing to work harder to break it down. Everything needs to work harder. Yeah. Like your stomach, your small intestine, your large intestine, your colon, like everything needs to work harder. And then if you're also adding stress on top of that, like your body doesn't know where to, what to prioritize at that point. Mm. Like if you're, if you're chronically stressed and you're not chewing your food, now your food's not getting digested at all because your body has now put digestion on pause because you're in fight or flight mode. So now you've got excess cortisol and adrenaline, your body's not digesting your food. And you're just like sitting with like a bolus of food, just like stuck. And you can't do anything about that until you calm down. Some stuff that I want to talk to you in terms of uh, stress and anxiety management, because mm. I've, been, I've been on my own little journey with that. And mm-hmm. um, for you, anybody who listens to this podcast probably knows that for years, I was a coffee drinker, coffee addict. And, mm-hmm. you know, probably for the last God, I started drinking coffee at 16 or 18 and, you know, multiple cups a day, every day for many, many, many years. And um, had to recently, not had to, but wanted to recently pull back from that a little bit to see how my body would react to not having constant influx of caffeine into my body. And it's been one of the more powerful things that I've ever done in my fitness mm. health and nutrition is come, come down to nearly zero caffeine every day and um, feeling what that's been like. But, you know, you mentioned something in terms of fitness and, and then also like other pursuits like jujitsu where people tend to rush past the fundamentals and, you know, you go for the really kind of extravagant or the really like high, uh, I don't want to say high value, like super sexy stuff. The, the thing that I think happens there though, is if you don't know how to overhead squat, when you go to squat snatch, you drop the barbell at worst or like at best, or it hits you on the fucking head at worst, right? Like you get immediate feedback that you have gone too far, too soon, too fast. And in jujitsu, you try some shit that you don't know how to do. Somebody's going to fuck you up and you get immediate feedback too much, too soon, too fast. The problem with eating is that like, and this is just my own assumption is our bodies are so resilient to what we can put into them think about all the messed up stuff that people put in their bodies. Like it's crazy, but you can put, you can ingest this stuff and you might get some feedback like, Oh, my stomach hurts or I feel bloated or whatever. I got to go to the bathroom, but it, it doesn't stop you from putting it into your mouth. The next fucking second you can, you can do it. You can eat a whole sleeve of Oreos. You can feel like shit, but guess what? Now you're probably going to go and eat a whole sleeve of Oreos and feel like shit again, because you're craving the sugar that you put into your body and your body's not telling you, no, actually it's giving you these weird signals. Yes. Anyway, we're going down this weird rabbit hole. There's no barbell that falls on your head when you eat some stupid shit. 
No, but imagine if there was. It would be a lot better. A lot more effective. Could be for sure. Yeah, maybe. But yeah, it is interesting because our bodies, I think people don't, I think people take that for granted. Our bodies are very resilient. They're very good at maintaining homeostasis. The issue with that is it makes it really easy to ignore this, the small whispers that our bodies give us until we get slapped in the face, whether it's um, colitis for some people, type two diabetes for others, like high blood pressure, high cholesterol, what, whatever, yeah, whatever it is. Stuff, inflammation. Yeah. yeah. Like there are always signs before that happens. That is not the first time your body is like, Hey, wait, there's something wrong. Like there are whispers before that happens and our bodies are just very good at adapting. And this is like, this is the issue with yo-yo dieting. Like our bodies get really good at adapting to whatever we throw at them. And so if you constantly are putting yourself in that cycle of binging and restricting, the next time that something like that happens, your body's going to respond the same exact way. You're not going to be able to use the same methodologies that you've used in the past, even if like Susan told you to not eat any more carbs and that worked for you 10 years ago, like it's not going to work again because your body knows from the last time, oh, wait, I don't want to lose that weight. Like that's not favorable for me. So what are some of those, what are some of those whispers that someone might feel when, and this is not to diagnose anybody, but what are some of the things that you might feel if some of these things are out of whack? Like if your blood Mm -hmm. sugar is all kind of crazy, or obviously with sleep, you have sleep disruptions, waking up multiple times, all that kind of stuff, night sweats, but what are some common daytime feelings? So the super common ones um, are fatigue. Like if you get tired immediately after a meal, that's a sign. Um, That's a little whisper. If you have migraines, if you get like chronic migraines, that could be a whisper. Um, If you have mood swings and they're not explained by anything else, that could also be a whisper. The issue with some of these, and I recognize this, is that they are very common Mm. and can be caused by a lot of things. However, if you're experiencing them, it's worth looking into because it's not normal. I think that they're very common. And so people think that like, it's fine, but they're not fine. Like it's not normal. So even if it's not food related, I highly recommend you looking into why some of those things are happening. Um, Fatigue is a really big one. Um, bloating either before or after meals, feeling like you are not hungry ever, or you're always hungry, like being insatiable or being like totally turned off by food. Those are also both little whispers, um, chronic pain, like joint pain, back pain. That's another one. And these are all things that, like I said, can be caused by so many things, but they're also could be caused by your food and the the lack potentially of structure that you have. I bet a lot of fucking people listening right now just hit bingo on all of these things. I know it's like put her finger down and then everybody, no one has fingers left. No, it's true. I mean, uh, some of the stuff that you're riddling off here, I'd be lying to say that I don't experience from time to time, you know, and 
you know, there are certain aspects to my, I think I told you this on a phone call that we had the other day. Sometimes I feel like the least healthy, healthy individual ever. Like Mm -hmm. there are aspects to my life, which are probably not so shocking to people listening. Like I'm a high stress individual. A lot of times I drink. (laughs) Really? You? Totally wouldn't have guessed. You know, my sleep isn't always so optimal, but it is important to recognize these things and to start taking action, you know, before it becomes a real issue. And um, I like what you said about just because they're common doesn't mean that they're normal or doesn't mean that they're optimal. You know, commonality doesn't necessarily mean that that's how you want to live. Just because everybody else is stressed to the fucking gills doesn't mean that you want to be stressed to the gills, right? Yeah. And you don't deserve to be like, I think that that's another piece of this that we kind of have to come to terms with. It's that just because someone else is stressed because they're working too hard, doesn't, or working really hard. It doesn't mean that you're not working hard. And that's something I know that I run into a lot. Like I constantly feel like I should be doing more even though you heard my schedule, like I know I do a lot. I totally recognize that I do a lot. And still I'm always thinking that I should be doing more. And it's a constant conversation with myself of like, actually I am doing exactly what I need to be doing in this moment, you know? And I think that it, that's a lot easier with some things than other things. And I think food is one work is another fitness is another. It's like the trifecta. Yeah. Yeah, I think about this quite a bit. And, you know, it was never more apparent to me than when I was in law school. Like it was the rat race of all rat races in law school. Yeah. It was a constant comparison game of who is studying more, whose outlines are you using, who's reading more, who's got the best questions, who's got the best grades, who's got the best briefs. It's all fucking nonsense because guess yeah. what? You run your own race. Nobody sits there and takes the test for you. So it doesn't matter what everybody else is doing around you. Just study and put in the work that you know you have to put in for yourself and you'll be fine. But the hard part about that is that everybody else is playing this stupid game and it pervades into professional life and pervades into personal life. This comparison game of what everybody else is doing. One of the things that's really bothering me about social media lately and like, it's one of the reasons I'm slowing down on posting reels of like workouts that I'm doing and, and movements and stuff is that I'm not working out all the fucking time. Yeah, And I don't want to send that message to everybody. I work out a lot. Yes, it's part of my job. It's also the thing that I love to do. So yes, I work out more than the average bear. But like, I don't want everybody to just constantly look and be like, oh, fuck, well, this guy's in his garage now. He's in his garage now. He's in his garage now. I guarantee you all these stupid fucking influencers that you follow on social media are not, they're working out like one-tenth of the time that they're showing you. Yeah. And that comparison game is so deadly. Don't always have to be working out. It's going to end up biting you in the ass. Yeah. I think that's a really good point that a lot of people don't take into account. And I think about it a lot with my own social media too. Like I do really try and make a point to post like different times of the day and things like that, because otherwise it could easily seem like I never do any work and I'm always playing with farm animals because that's just like what I'm sharing on social media. And that's absolutely not. I think that's where a lot of people get caught up is they just see what's on social media and they take that as that's their life. When I just told you my schedule, you know, like, you know, that I spend 30 to 40 minutes in the very early morning. And then like 30 minutes at night doing farm chores. I do not spend that much time 
you know, doing those things. And I think it can be really easy to get caught up in, like you said, the comparison. And I always say comparison is a thief of joy because it doesn't matter. Like you don't know the whole story and you probably don't want their story because it's not you. Yeah. Well, the the negative side of that is like us kind of thinking or like feeling bad that, oh, I have, I'm going to go do this thing now that I've made time for, and I have a lot of time for, and I still get all my other shit done. You know, like that's, that's the downside of like comparing yourself to somebody who's always working where it's like, oh, I feel bad about stepping away from work right now to go to the gym and do my workout because Bob from accounting is going to be at his desk till 10. Who the fuck cares about what Bob at accounting is doing? Like Bob at accounting probably needs to take a break anyway. Exactly. 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 Like that comparison game on either end of the equation can be really bad. It's either going to mean that you're going to think that you're not doing enough or the times that you go to do the thing that you want to separate yourself from that you go, no, I have to stay in this work mode or X mode. And I can't do this thing that I'm going to really enjoy. Yeah. And that's really the key to stress management in itself is changing that relationship that you have with the way that you manage your stress. A lot of people feel really guilty for doing things, for taking time for themselves. And that's a conversation I have really often. It's just around why do you feel like you maybe don't deserve the time that you take for yourself? Because truthfully, that time is what allows you to show up for the people around you. And so if you are not giving yourself space and time to recharge, you're not gonna show up well for other people. And then if that's really who you care about, then you're doing them a disservice because you're not recharging your own batteries. What an awesome and deep and meaningful path that this conversation took. And I thought we were gonna spend most of the time talking about fruits and vegetables, but we covered that too. Ariel, it's always a pleasure to chat and um, I appreciate your time. I know you probably have some farm chores to go do right now. I'm going to go make dinner. Go make dinner. I forgot. It's five o'clock. Ariel, where can um, my listeners find out more about you and your practice, both on social media and then also online? Thank you for that. Um, So you can find me on Instagram, Ariel underscore bloom. And um, in my bio is my website. So you don't even have to worry about that. You can find it there. Um, If you want to work with the Wild Health team, if you want to be a patient, you can go to wildhealth.com or you can shoot me a message and I'm happy to chat through anything with anybody. Very cool. Ariel, thank you for your time. Thank you. Bye-bye. Hello, friends. MDV here. Thank you for listening to the Intro with MDV podcast. And if you enjoyed today's show, please subscribe for weekly downloads wherever you listen to your podcast. Remember, we have a new episode coming to you every Tuesday. And if you have time and five stars to spare, please leave me a rating and review on iTunes. If you're looking for more out of me, MDV, you can find me on Instagram at MDV underscore FIT. Until next time, friends, let's go. Let's go.